Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 222. With nearly 2 million followers across social media, Eva Shockey has created a brand that started in the outdoor industry and rapidly expanded into mainstream media. Eva's new book, Taking Aim, is a memoir of adventure, skill, healthy living, and finding one's true life calling. Taking Aim tells Eva's story of her journey from non-hunter to hunter and reached the top top 150 books on Amazon. She also recently launched the Eva Shockey collection of home decor across Cabela's locations in Canada and in the US of A. She became the second woman ever to grace the cover of Field and Stream, and the story she tells about this is amazing. Eva has appeared on ABC's Nightline and the Fox Business Network as the new face of hunting. She's also co-hosted Jim Shockey's Hunting Adventures, which happens to be her dad's show on the outdoor channel for the last decade. And there are a few more industries more male dominated than hunting. And yet Eva has just made this name for herself and found amazing success, but not without some doubt, backlash and beyond. And so today she is going to teach us how to find your passion, follow what calls you regardless of what others say, how to follow a family legacy while staying true to yourself. And we'll talk about how to be confident when you feel intimidated. Ultimately, she's going to share how you can make a career out of your calling. I love our conversation with Eva. She slid into Drew's DMs and he follows her and her dad because he's a hunter. And he was like, babe, oh my gosh, Eva Shockey knows who you are. You have to have her on the show. And so I am so thankful that today it's finally happening. Now, before we dive on into today's show, I want to read this review titled, Blow My Mind, Why Don't Ya? And it's from HSGAY. It says, I've been following Jenna on Instagram for a while now. Cannot believe I didn't know about this podcast. Holy cow. So many amazing nuggets that I can listen to and then go apply that day in my business. Thank you for being so real and raw with us. Thank you so much for the review, you guys. I know we say this in every show, and maybe you roll your eyes or maybe you skip ahead at this part, but if you have a second today and you can devote it to making my day, just leave a review. 
It's super, super easy, and it is the best way you can give back to the Gold Digger podcast. Now, I don't want to delay this conversation any longer, so let me introduce you to the Eva Shockey. You're listening to the Gold Digger podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Self-made millionaire and marketing guru Jenna Kutcher will help you redefine what success looks like. It's time to hear from the experts, listen in on honest conversations, and learn the best tips and tricks that helped others pave their own way and craft their dream career. If you're ready to dig in, do the work, and tackle your biggest goals, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, photographer, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. Today's sponsor is LinkedIn. Did you know that you can find your perfect hire on LinkedIn? LinkedIn jobs matches people to the role based on who they really are, their skills, interests, even how open they are to new opportunities. For $50 off your first job posting, go to linkedin.com slash gold digger. That's linkedin.com slash gold digger. Certain terms and conditions apply, but you can't pass this one up. Thinking about starting that new business? I know it's holding you back, having all the legal things like contracts in place. This episode of the Gold Digger podcast is brought to you by The Contract Shop. Head to jennacutcher.com slash contracts to check out my five favorite products and save yourself 20% off. That's jennacutcher.com slash contracts. All right, Miss Eva Shockey, I don't know who's more excited, me or my husband, Drew Kutcher, that you and I get to talk. But I mean, rumor on the street is is that we would be BFFs if we lived closer together. So first off, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I'm so excited. The day that you DM'd Drew and just said, I think you said something. He was like, oh my gosh, Eva knows who you are. And I was like, wait, what? He's like, you have to have her on the podcast. And so I am just so excited that we get a chance to connect. I love following you and all the things you're doing. But for people who might not know who Eva Shockey is, give us kind of a rundown of you and your story and your journey that's led you to where you are today day. Okay. So it's probably quite a bit different. I mean, you have people from all over, all different walks of life and all over the world. Mine, I still think was probably be one of the weirdest that you have on here. (laughs) So the reason Drew and I connected was because Drew is a hunter and that is the base of my story, but obviously there's a lot more. So to give you a little bit of the background, I am a born and raised Canadian girl, Vancouver Island on the West Coast. I grew up, I'm actually there right now visiting my family. I grew up on 70 acres out in the country, just running in the fields. And I have a unique childhood because my dad still to this day is like this crazy, rugged mountain man. I think he was (laughs) quote unquote, the most famous best hunter in the world. If that doesn't probably mean a lot to a lot of people, but basically he's gone everywhere on earth and hunted what you can hunt and raises money for conservation all over the world, blah, blah, blah. He's just hardcore. And then my mom is a, she was a vegetarian when they met. And oh my she gosh. is a <laughs> actress, ballerina, model, singer, just the most feminine, classy human being in the planet, I would say. And she still is exactly like that. And that was my upbringing. So I had these two parents that were on both extremes and I really got to experience one side and the other side and choose my own path sort of. I I went a little one way for a few years and went a little the other way for a few years. And I didn't hunt because 
I grew up and years ago, it was not even remotely normal for a female to hunt where I was from, at least. You didn't hear about it. No one talked about it. I was a dancer, a competitive dancer. I taught dance. I was super athletic, was in all the sports. And I just kind of was more like my mom. I liked spending time with her. I didn't really understand the hunting side of it. But what my parents did teach us, even though my brother and I, he was a little bit of a hunter and I, I wasn't, they taught us the importance of appreciating where your meat comes from, where the food you're eating at dinner comes from. And we never thought it came from a grocery store. If anything, I didn't even really realize meat came from a grocery store in general because we just had (laughs) a freezer full of moose and elk and caribou and whatever else. And so that was just my upbringing. It was just outdoors, loving nature, appreciating fresh air. And we went on all kinds of crazy family trips through the mountains and whatever else you can imagine with a dad like mine. And then I went to, I was always super independent, didn't want to do anything that anyone else was doing. So I went away to university to Australia because I wanted to go somewhere far from everyone that I knew just so I could do my own thing and forge my own path. And when I was there, on top of gaining like 30 pounds because I was no longer eating healthy, (laughs) healthy, like my parents taught. We actually growing up, they also had a garden. So it was basically the field to table lifestyle way before that was a cool thing. That wasn't even a thing at all. It was just how we lived. And so I went to university and obviously lived the university life of drinks and unhealthy food and not realizing at all what I was putting into my body. And that was one of the turning points for me when I graduated, I, I got a business marketing degree. I came home at 20, after basically 20 years of my dad asking me to come hunting with him and me shutting him down. And I said, dad, I really want to learn to hunt because I want to be able to fill my own freezer with wild game because I don't want to go buy it anymore. And I I, I want to know where my meat comes from. And I remember his face. I remember where we were standing in his office. It was like a cartoon where his jaw dropped to the floor. And he, I don't remember what he said, but I'm sure he was in shock. And it was probably two months later, we were in the bush hunting on my first trip. And I pulled the trigger that first time and I did not know what to expect. I didn't have any pressure on myself because I really knew that at that point I could go one way or the other. I didn't think I wanted to be a hunter and I had no intention of turning into a career. I wanted to just do it to put meat in the freezer. And I told myself if I didn't like it, I wouldn't do it again. At least I could tell myself I tried it and didn't shy away from something I I wasn't familiar with. And that was 10 years ago. And now, (laughs) I mean, there's a lot in between there. Basically, I I started from that trip forward and I loved it so much. I went into it with such a true wholeheartedly appreciation for just being outdoors and the adventure and the travel and the challenge and loving the wild game aspect of it and the conservation aspect of it. And people started turning the channel to watch me on my dad's show. Oh, I forgot about that part. We have a TV show that's an outdoor (laughs) hunting TV show. Oh my gosh, there's this story is so complicated. So I was on the hunting TV show with him. People started turning that channel on and our ratings started going up and I started getting people contacting me way before brand ambassadors was even a thing I was familiar with. It was basically right at the start of social media. Companies were saying, we want you to use this product or use this gear or go out and film with this or take photos with this and we'll pay you. And I was like, what in the heck is happening? Why would they pay me to use this? It doesn't make any sense. And that slowly started. And thank goodness I had my dad as a business mentor who'd been in the game for 30 years because he taught me early on that you have to be able to say no to a lot of things. You have to 
decide what direction you want to go and you can't go another direction because there's money being offered. And so that was 10 years ago. I learned that lesson and I'm sure I've made a few mistakes along the way, but generally I've continued on and I just tried to do what I loved and that was hunting and outdoors and travel and talk about it and show people it wasn't so scary and show people that I am out there hunting and I'm putting meat in my freezer the same way as if someone were to, to go to Whole Foods or to the grocery store and buy meat and bring it home and eat it. That's what I'm doing. I'm just removing the disconnect between where it came from. And I know that animal wasn't raised in a cage. I know it wasn't, not that there's anything wrong with farming. There's lots of wonderful sustainable farms, but there's also lots of industrial farms that I don't think are wonderful. And that's not everyone understands where the meat comes from that they're buying and they're not doing the research beforehand to know that. So that to me is the reason why I started hunting and why I loved it so much. And I mean, since then I've, I wrote a book, it hit the top 150 on Amazon and it's about hunting, which is unheard of. I have, uh, to my husband and I are just signed up for two new TV shows we're doing. I'm still on my dad's TV show. We are, oh my gosh, we like got married in the meantime. My husband was a professional hockey player and he's also a hunter and fisherman. And so now we travel all over the world. We have a beautiful little one and a half year old daughter who loves being outdoors as much as we do. So it's, it's just turned into this outdoor lifestyle. And I've been spreading the word about how positive this lifestyle and healthy and loving and family oriented it is. And people are starting to open their eyes up to it. And I, it's pretty incredible to be part of that journey and part of that process that really get people to look at something new that they've maybe never considered before. Oh, I love that. And I love following you. I've actually never personally hunted, but my dad grew up with it. I mean, everyone, especially in the Midwest, it's such a big piece of the lifestyle. And I would go track deer with my dad or kind of go sit in the stand for like a half hour and then I'd have to pee and it was (laughs) over. But I just think it's so cool. And there is so much more to you than just hunting. What are some of the things that you're like passionate about in life? Because I love following you for everything thing that you share. So thank you. I appreciate that so much. And obviously ditto. And I love that you guys are familiar with the lifestyle. I I know Drew is a hunter, but he's (laughs) not a successful one though. (laughs) (laughs) But that doesn't matter. Anyone that goes out there and appreciates nature and loves being in the fresh air and sitting in a tree stand, I mean, you're a hunter. It doesn't matter if you bring nothing (laughs) home. Maybe at some point it'd be good just for a freezer point of view to fill it up a little bit, but I'll have to give Drew some tips. Please do. do. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so when I started in my early 20s, I'm 30 now, uh, about 10 years ago, it was right when social media started. I was single. I was young. I All I had to think about was myself, pay my bills and pay for my trips. And that was like, I was living paycheck to paycheck because I was just trying to do what I loved and I didn't care about anything else. And it was so fun, obviously very different from what my life is now with a husband and a toddler and building a house, blah, blah, blah. But at that point in my life, my I actually today was just looking through my old photos from 2012 on Facebook and they were like, hunt, 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 travel, travel, travel. That's all I was posting about because that was my life. But as I have grown over the years, my brand has also very much adapted to where I'm at. And that's something that's very intentional from myself, from my, my dad has sort of guided me through that. I have a business manager from the start that's done the same thing that I told them I can't fake anything. I can't have social media, which is a daily thing. It's not like a TV show you can put out once every month and that's fine. It's a daily occurrence. It's following your life. And I cannot imagine the stress that I would feel if I was trying to fake someone 
out there on social media that I'm not actually that person. And so because of that, I've intentionally adapted my brand over the years, just naturally. I've just said, if people don't want to follow me anymore because now I have a baby, then they don't have to follow me. And that is totally fine. But I'm going to be true to myself and have this baby on my photos or have my husband or have whatever I'm doing. And so it went from pure hunting to when I married my husband, it was a little less hunting, more of a bit of a balance of lifestyles. We actually moved over to Russia for two years for his hockey career. And I followed him there. And then I was commuting from Magnitogorsk, Russia for two years to do my job, which was absolutely insane. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know how I really did it. And that adapted a little bit more. And now I have a baby and we're more settled, but I still love this hunting outdoor lifestyle. So now it's more a combination. I mean, it's family, it's it's healthy food, wild game, field to table type stuff. It's building a home, which we're doing in Raleigh. It's just the outdoor adventurous travel lifestyle, but with a family mixed in. And it's amazing because I thought people would be turned off from that. But it turns out when you post more things that you love and that you're passionate about, people can relate in different ways. So someone might not relate to a huge moose that I hunted in the Yukon, but they can relate to having a daughter who likes to dance to Justin Bieber or <laughs> a husband, you know, who likes to go fishing on the weekends or a family that is trying to cook a healthy what feel the table dinner for themselves and a bunch of guests. There's always something that people can grab onto. It's kind of like how you love mac and cheese. You know, it's the same thing. That is my daughter that loves dancing to Justin Bieber. That's the same. <laughs> Someone's going to see that and say, that reminds me of so-and-so. And it's it's honestly helped my brand and it's made it even stronger and made my followers even more loyal because they see so many different aspects to my life, not just the hunting. I think it just opens up this ability to connect with you on a totally different level. And I think you're just so multidimensional. And so I always hate when people kind of box people into a corner with a title or with one thing, because there is so much to you. And I think it's just so fun to follow along. So I want to know, like, when was the moment where you were like, I could turn this hunting thing into a career? Like, was there a specific time where you're like, oh my gosh, this is happening. I'm following in my dad's footsteps or did it kind of just evolve over time? It evolved slowly for a few years and I was still where I was teaching dance at the time. I was still working a completely different type of job. <laughs> I would teach dance at night and then I'd go for a couple of weeks to Africa and go hunting and then I'd come back and teach dance. So my life was just, and my dance friends barely knew that I hunted and my hunting friends barely knew that I danced. And it was this it was almost like living two lives. That was pre-husband and pre-baby, but it was like living these two separate lives. And I loved both so much. And I really, at the time, and I, I kicked myself because I wish I did know this and I try to tell people this, that I didn't have to choose one or the other. And I didn't have to be embarrassed that I liked these two different things, that I was in these two worlds and I didn't want them to collide because I was scared of what people would think about it. And now I'm like, Eva, younger Eva, shake yourself, listen, listen to what it is you wanted to do, because who cares if they're different? Who cares if they maybe not a lot of people cross into those two categories? The fact that I loved it, and I, I probably missed a few years of being proud of both sides, because I was just scared of the feedback. But it took me a little while. And I think the, the moment when I really realized that what I was doing was more than just a little bit of a hobby for me and a passion on the side and that I was actually impacting other people. It was, I think it was 2014. At the time, my husband and I were living in Russia and I got an email from my business manager and he said, Field and Stream wants you on the cover of their magazine. And so a lot of your listeners 
probably are not familiar with Field and Stream. And so <laughs> what it is in the outdoor hunting, fishing, camping, hiking world, this is the number one magazine. It's been around for 120 years. It's been on my coffee table since I was born. It was, it's a huge, huge deal. And they asked me to be on the cover and I'm so familiar with the magazine. I knew they had never had a woman on the cover before. Oh. The, actually, the one woman they had was Queen Elizabeth, like 40, <laughs> 50 years ago. And so I was like, on the cover, that, that can't be right. And I remember saying, okay, well, I'll be home in a couple months from Russia. We can do it then. And they're like, no, we need you next week in New York. And I was in Magnitogorsk, like the smallest little steel city in Russia. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and so I flew 36 hours. I think it was about four days later. I didn't have any of my hunting stuff because they wanted me in camo. So I actually had to reroute a suitcase that was floating somewhere in the States waiting for the next trip to New York. And these New York fashion people that were in head of the photo shoot, they had to open up my dirty hunting clothes from a hunting trip I'd been on, wash them and steam them and have them there for me because the photo shoot was so quick. And so I was so embarrassed. Like my underwear was in the bag and they had yes. to go through this bag. <laughs> I was not there. It was honestly, I was dying. And I walked into this, 36 hours later, I walked into this photo shoot room they had my bow shift they had my arrow shift I mean they had to do everything because I couldn't coordinate anything from Russia and I first of all that was the biggest deal of any photo shoot I've ever been part of there was 30 people and me and they asked when I came in they said we've never seen anyone come in without an entourage and I was like I don't have an entourage. <laughs> like who would I just be? My dad. My dad. <laughs> so yeah, they were all they were all giggling like, oh, this is so low budget. <laughs> but and so I walked in and to the point where they wanted me to draw my bow back because I, I shoot archery. I shoot a bow and I was about to draw it and I realized no one in the room had any idea this was an actual weapon. And I had to tell everyone, like, you can't stand in front of me when I have my bow drawn back. That's really dangerous. This is, I know it looks like a prop, but this is an actual something that's dangerous. So anyways, I had to prep everybody. We did the shoot. I turned around 12 hours later, flew 36 hours back to Russia. I was, I don't even know. I mean, I was flying basically for four days straight. And I still, I didn't believe they were going to put me on the cover because a lot of times you do shoots and it's planned for something. It doesn't turn out, doesn't happen. And so I just, I honestly didn't even really think twice about it. And about two months later, someone, my husband's teammates, family came over from Canada and brought a copy of the magazine with them. And I remember bursting into tears and I was standing there on the cover of this Field and Stream magazine. And the issue was about what's next and it was the concept of females are a strong, powerful, confident group of people that are making a difference and making power moves, in particular at this industry, the outdoor industry, but you know, just in general, being strong and, and confident in what they're doing. And that was the moment that I realized it wasn't like, oh, congratulations to me, I'm on the cover. It was more that what I'm doing is making an impact and it's putting a little bit of a ripple in the status quo of what people think is normal. And I, that was when I realized I was able to control the narrative of what hunters and outdoorsmen and women are. We're not Elmer Fudds. We're educated. We're smart. We believe in all these wonderful aspects like family, outdoor, conservation, and all the things I was talking about, but we still love hunting and women are making a difference in this industry. We're actually, women are the fastest growing demographic in the outdoor hunting industry. So that was the moment I realized it was not just a hobby <laughs> for Field and Stream to put their neck out and have me as, me and Queen Elizabeth as the first woman. I mean, she wasn't even a hunter. So me as the first hunter female on the, on the cover, it was just a huge deal. And from that, I mean, a month later, I was on ABC Nightline and Fox News. And it was just a moment or 
a year, I guess, in my life that everything changed and that I just could not believe that a little hunter was on this mainstream platform and getting to talk to people about what we do. And I think I was so different from the average stereotypical hunter in the past. People were stopping and listening to what I had to say. And that that was where I realized I had to really get it in gear and create a brand that had a strong message and not just go all over the place left and right and not have any direction. And that, that was that was the moment. So 2014. That's amazing. And I think it's so cool because it's like you are paving the way, like not just for other women, for a lot of people, but sometimes being a trailblazer comes with some adverse side effects. And I know, you know, a lot of people have opinions about hunting and a lot of people consider it to be a controversial thing. So I want to know, like, how do you handle the critics and any advice for people that face adversity pursuing what they love? Well, I've definitely gone through it. (laughs) I think I've walked the walk of handling critics, probably more extreme. I mean, anyone, yourself included, anyone that's out there in the public eye, if you have people that like you, you're going to have people that don't like you. And the more people that like you, the more people that don't like you. That's just how it works. But because on top of being in the public eye and having a following, I'm also doing something that is a controversial topic because not everyone understands hunting. It's probably been much more extreme than just people that don't like you. People actually want to kill me for what I do. I there are in In my book, I had a whole chapter just about people that hate me, the haters that come at me. I One day I had one hunt that went viral. It got picked up by all these anti-hunting websites. And in one day alone, I counted up to 5,000 actual death threats in my, in my inbox. And then I stopped counting. And that was, I was living overseas at the time. And I just remember thinking, this is a moment that I can either let all these people that are trying to shut me down, they're trying to tell me what I'm doing is wrong, I can hide and I can close down my Facebook page and I can shut down this and that and just go into hiding for a couple of weeks and I'm sure everyone will get over it and then I can move on with my life. Or I can stand up because at the end of the day, I know what I'm doing is such a positive thing. I haven't even really explained hunting yet in this conversation, but to me, hunting is such a positive thing. It's about raising money for conservation. Every hunt you go on, you're raising money for wildlife management. I mean, it's very selective. There's scientists involved and you don't just go hunt what you want whenever you want. It's a very specific process that you have to follow, all legal. You have to pay money. It goes into really good foundations and projects and all that kind of stuff. But when I stopped and realized how many people were coming at me with hatred, I just knew that there were so many more people that I was getting to talk to and reach and open their eyes up to this world of outdoors and hunting and conservation that I couldn't back down because of the people that hated me. So like my dad got poison razor blades in the mail. His friend who was a hunter had a bomb put on his boat because they wanted him to stop from the anti-hunters. I mean, it, it gets it gets really crazy. But I think if you know in your heart what you're doing is good and what you're doing it's going to change the world for in a better way. How can you stop? And how can you let people tell you what you're doing is wrong? And I, a lot of the times, especially in my situation, everything is different, I guess, in all different industries. For me, when people hate hunting, I don't think it's because they're bad people. I don't think they're stupid. I don't think they're, I don't even think the anti-hunters that said death threats are horrible people. I think they actually just are misinformed about what hunting is. And I, instead of attacking them, and you'll never see me in a million years go back. And if someone says something mean to me, I'm not going to go back and fight with them because I don't think there's any purpose. 
I will go back and try to show them what I'm doing and explain to them what I'm doing and why I do it. And because there's a chance that that person just doesn't understand. And that, I think that would probably cross into every industry. When people hate something, a lot of the time it's out of fear of being vulnerable, of not understanding, of being insecure with their knowledge on the topic. And so they fight back at it instead. And I just don't think that's a healthy way <laughs> to really do anything. So if you just believe in what you're doing, I think at the end of the day, you know that it's worth your time. And if you can look at the big picture and the positive impact you're making and then realize the negative is such a small portion of that, you can just push through it. It's hard to say, but it really is worth it. And I, I did it years ago and I still, every day I deal with it, but I still push it aside and focus on the positive things. I mean, I think that's so true. And a lot of times too, education can go a long way when you educate through the way that you share and show up. It can really help shift people's mindsets slowly. And I think that a lot of times, especially on the internet, we just want to convince people that we're right or that our way is right very quickly. And it takes time. And I I think you do such a good job of that. One thing I'm so curious about is like, you are in a very male dominated industry. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. You are one of the first women on a field and stream. Like, What has it been like navigating in an industry that used to be so dominated by men and kind of paving the way for women? Yes, it absolutely was. When I started, don't get me wrong, I by no means think I'm the only woman that hunts or the only woman that's made any difference in the hunting outdoor world. There are so many strong, confident women. I happen to get in, I guess, at the right time, just as far as social media goes and building a platform and people were ready for this fresh young voice of someone that first of all, didn't take themselves too seriously. I didn't come in punching all the guys in the face saying, I know more than you. I came in saying, I love the outdoors. I love hunting. I love filling my freezer. I love adventures. You guys love the same things. Can we all just do it together? Can we all share this outdoor lifestyle? And that I think is a good attitude to have. You don't need to, you can show people by your actions, what you know, and not by just telling them what you know. And that's sometimes the mistake people make is they try to show their confidence by talking a lot. And I showed my confidence absolutely not by doing that the opposite, because I, I went into it, I didn't want to step on toes, I wasn't trying to push people out of the way to make a name for myself. I just wanted to show them I loved it. And I deserve to be here as much as anybody else. And there were a lot of times when I was younger, and I would go on to trips and I'd hear through the grapevine that so-and-so on the trip, this man, this you know middle-aged man was really not happy that I was going to be there because I was going to ruin camp and I was going to be a diva and I was going to complain and whatever. And I would go into it kind of mad thinking, what? He doesn't even know me. It's just because I'm a female that he thinks I'm not going to be the same as any other man there. And when I would get into camp and it would be a great trip and obviously I was not a diva and I didn't whine and complain and I was up the mountain with everybody else and I was sleeping in, under the stars and in a tent and you know anything that anyone else was doing and I'd lead the trip and multiple times that same man that I heard was mad I was coming said, I'm sorry, I misunderstood. I didn't give you a chance. We had a great time. You know, exactly the response I would expect knowing my personality and that that's something I think people can do in any industry. It's not being a hunter, which is important. It's whatever you're doing, whatever industry you're in, if it's male dominated or otherwise, go into it with an open mind, go into it asking for help, go into it knowing you aren't the best, or at least not acting like you're the best, even if you are the best, which I'm not. So I don't know what that's like, (laughs) but go into it, just looking for advice from people that have been in it for a while. And that's 
people get brushed the wrong way when you come in and they think you're trying to take their spot. And if you don't have that attitude and you just show them that you're in it with your heart, that's exactly what I did. And honestly, I, I haven't had that many issues. I think people are more scared of starting than once you start and realize it's not so scary. That's exactly, that's the path I've had at least that once they see where I'm at and see my attitude and that I'm just there to have fun and love it like them. I mean, who would get mad at that? Who would get mad at someone enjoying themselves? Right. Recent estimates show that 30 to 50% of potential clients are closed by the service provider who responds to them first. That could be a lot of clients you're missing out on just because you don't have all your stuff together. One way you can respond faster is with a solid contract. In fact, that is precisely why the contract shop was founded. In less than 10 minutes, you can have a contract tailored to your specific industry, filled out and delivered to a client before anyone else even has a chance to open up their email. No more crossing your fingers and hoping everything goes right. To learn about my five must-have products and to get 20% off your purchase, head to jennacutcher.com slash contracts. That's jennacutcher.com slash contracts. A business is only as strong as its people. And you guys know I'm a huge advocate for outsourcing, hiring, and building your dream team. It's no secret that every hire matters. So don't just settle for posting and crossing your fingers that the right person is going to come along. LinkedIn is more than the world's largest professional network. It's also a better way to find great talent. If you're looking to hire, 70% of the U.S. workforce is already on LinkedIn. That's right. Quality candidates waiting to be found by you. Because LinkedIn considers skills, experience, and location to match and promote your job to potential candidates, I have no doubt that you can find exactly who it is you're looking for. Out of the 22 million professionals that are active on LinkedIn every week from every industry, you're sure to find the perfect match. Consider this, most LinkedIn members aren't actively searching for a new job, but 9 out of 10 members are open to new opportunities, and you get the chance to reach them. Basically, to sum it up, if you're not using LinkedIn for your hiring needs, you're missing out. Head to linkedin.com slash golddigger and get $50 off towards your first job posting. That's linkedin.com slash golddigger for $50 off your first job post today. Terms and conditions apply, but this is a great opportunity to find out how LinkedIn leads to a different hire every 10 seconds. Oh my gosh, I agree. Now I have to know, like your dad's legacy is probably a tough one to try to even follow. What has it been like, especially because it wasn't something that you imagined for your life? It's not something you dreamt of as you were growing up. Is there pressure involved? Is it exciting? Do you feel like you have a lot to live up to? What does that look like for you? Oh my gosh, my dad is the coolest person on earth. He is someone, it's so hard to explain him. He works 20 I mean, I would say he probably works in his sleep 24 hours a day. He is nonstop. He's 60 years old now, and he still can out hike any 20-year-old that meets him on a mountain. He is just go, 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 go. And he has this personality that just is so hardworking. So his legacy, I think most people looking in, if you're familiar with him, and if you're not, he's a, I mean, just a really well-known outdoorsman. If looking in, they probably think to me, his legacy is just this hardcore hunter, but really what he showed me and what I took from the whole experience of being his daughter is the importance of hard work and also finding something that you love and going with that because you're going to spend your life doing it. So don't go do something that you hate doing and then complain about it every day and wish you were doing something else. If you 
work well into the night and you create a, another thing that you love doing and you can slowly let go of the thing you don't love doing, like that's possible and it's up to you to do it and have that motivation and control and dedication that you're going to not sleep for a little while while you're transitioning, but that is where you want to be the end result and the end goal. And that's, he still does that to this day. I mean, his lifestyle is so crazy and inspiring and motivating. And that's what I've learned from him. The hunting stuff. Absolutely. I think what I've loved the most is seeing the impact he's had. He's raised honestly, probably millions of dollars for conservation through all the stuff he's done over the years. And he's, helped with new territories all over the world with animal rehabilitation centers and wildlife management programs and stuff that not everyone notices. And those are the things that make me proud to have him as a role model. And I I could not imagine anyone else. And he deserves everything that he's accomplished. He deserves it because he's worked 10 times harder than the person beside him. So if I can work one tenth of what he works, I'll still, I'm still proud of myself. I can't keep up with him even though I'm half his age. (laughs) I love that. Dads are just so awesome. Like if you're lucky enough to have a dad out there, I mean, let's kudos to all the dads out there in America. It's amazing. (laughs) Amen to that. Dads are, oh my goodness. That's actually my poor husband. I have this, my husband, Tim, he was a professional hockey player for 12 years. So obviously a very hardworking human being, very tough, but I have this mindset of like how many hours a day people should work and I'm like why aren't you working 22 and a half hours a day Tim's like that's not normal that's what my dad did (laughs) our poor husbands have a lot to live up to when it comes to dads like my dad could fix anything I I never brought my car into a shop in my entire life and then I married (laughs) Drew and I'm like wait you don't know how to do this and he's like no like average people do not understand these things I'm like well my dad did like (laughs) Yeah, my dad did it, so you should do it too. Yeah, see, I actually just spent, oh my gosh, Drew would have just loved it so much. I just got home from 10 days in the wilderness with my dad and my husband and me, and then we had a couple other guys with us in camp from our crew, but basically me, my dad, my husband, and I've never spent so much time with just the two of them, especially with no, there's no computers or emails or anything that's distracting anybody, and it was like this love triangle, and I was fighting for my dad's attention, and then my dad was giving his attention to my husband because he likes him better than me and I was like wait a minute what's happening I'm first dad <laughs> why do you like your husband better than me yeah <laughs> five years ago this one I love happened. it that is so funny so one thing that I love about you and your story is that you had this hobby you know you you kind of had this curiosity you pursued it with an open mind it turned into a hobby And then it turned into a career. And I feel like so many people feel like they aren't deserving to get paid to do what they love or that they're not able to actually turn their passions into profits. But you've been able to do just that. And can you kind of walk us through like how you make a living hunting and kind of what that looks like? And I know your story is so different than other people's, but what are some different ways that you can kind of turn that passion into profits? Yes, absolutely. That's so funny that you say that people are worried about making money and feel embarrassed about it. And honestly, I've been in it for 10 years now and I still sometimes feel the same. And I have to consciously kick myself and say, Eva, you deserve to be making money. This is a career. This is what you're spending your time doing. The same as if you go into an office. I actually just did an interview with Forbes magazine, which was incredible. And she was asking me all these questions and I'm so used to brushing all the business side off because I want people to focus on 
the conservation side and the outdoor healthy living side. And I, I almost don't want people to think I do this to make money or like I, I am making money from it because it'll take away from the message I'm sending. And I halfway through the interview, I realized I should be so proud of what I'm doing. And I should be so proud that I've been able to turn my passion and everything I love so much into something that supports my family and makes money for my husband and I so that we can bring our daughter and travel the world someday and show her all the things I've seen. I mean, that instead of being embarrassed about it, you have to flip it around and be so proud of it. So that's something that every day I still, I still struggle with. It's really hard to sit back and, and talk about that for me, but it's true. And I have absolutely turned it from something I just did on the weekends to something that is a 24 seven lifestyle for me. And I, you know, I, I help pay for our home build and I help pay for our mortgage and I help pay for all that stuff. And it's crazy to think that I'm able to do that. The number one aspect that I think has allowed that is finding something that I love. And I'm so, it fills my soul with passion when I think about the outdoor lifestyle and passing it on to the next generation, because if I didn't love it, it would be really hard to be a mom all day, which is what I am. And then put my daughter to sleep, cook dinner for my husband, visit with him for a little bit, go sit, him go to sleep. And then me work from 9 PM until 2 AM every night, trying to get my work in and then wake up and do it again the next day. I'd don't think I'd be very happy about doing that if I hated my job or if I didn't love it as much as I do. And so when you, when you find something like that, that fuels you, I'm excited when, when he goes to bed and my daughter's in bed in her crib and I go sit in my office and turn on my light, I'm actually weirdly excited to open my computer and work on a project that I have going on. That would probably be the first thing. I think more of the business mindset is don't burn bridges and be loyal to yourself and be really true to the brand and the message that you want to send from the start. And like I said earlier, I'm so thankful that I had my dad there to guide me in that at the start because I, as a early twenties, I could have easily made the wrong decisions and I could have been on a very different path right now or ruined an opportunity that I didn't because he advised me early on that it's more important to say no to things than to say yes to things. And when stuff comes at you, if you're trying to build a brand, if you can see this opportunity that's in front of you, is that helping to get to where you want to be in five years or in 10 years? And you, it's hard to think in five years and 10 years for a lot of us because this age is so like quick, 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 everything you're getting and, and then it's gone. But is this business opportunity, does it make sense with your brand? Is it true to the people that are following you? It, does it, is it going to be obvious that you're doing it for money or is it really something I try to think, is it really something I would go take my hard-earned money to the store and hand it over for this item? And if I would do that, then I say, you know, this is a good fit for me. But if there's any way I wouldn't go spend it, spend my own money on it, you're never going to see me talk about it or use it or be part of it because it's more important to me to build a loyal following and to have people trust me than it is to have an extra $100 in my pocket. Amen. And I, I love that you know, I think a lot of times people just say yes too fast and they say yes to every opportunity and they don't look at that long-term goal. And I think it's so important because at the end of the day, just one bad yes can totally ruin people's trust in you or their ability to really believe you. And I think that at the end of the day, like we're all looking to connect with people that we can know, like, and trust. And that's really the pinnacle of marketing, but it's also just the pinnacle of relationships these days. Yeah. And everything gets spread so quickly as well. Exactly. In that same way, you, you need to be 
mean, you need to be nice to people. You need to be kind to people and you need to be loyal to people. And because if you're not, not only will you probably feel guilty about it, but on a business scale, it's going to get out there. People are going to hear about it. You have to be professional. I mean, even if I send an email that's to a friend of mine in the industry, I'll generally still keep it very kind. I wouldn't type anything that I wouldn't want the whole world to see. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't send a text message unless, you know, it's to my husband. <laughs> I probably wouldn't send anything that I wouldn't want out there because that's just what life is now, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending how you want to look at it. But you can't take any of that for granted. And you just have to look at your goal and make every decision every single day and not let that slip, not let that goal slip out of your mind, because that's that's so important in building what you want to do. And if you really want to do something you love, like that should be your most important thing. <laughs> that should be your priority is making sure you're getting there. And I think a lot of the times also building it, I absolutely love getting inspiration from outside of my little niche market. So I rarely look inside my industry for inspiration because I don't want to do things that everyone else is doing. I mean, I follow, obviously I follow a lot of people that are outdoorsmen or women or hunters or fishermen or whatever, you know, what they're good at. But I don't really look at them for inspiration of how I want to present myself because I don't want to have any, I don't want to be the same as anybody. Why would people follow me if I look exactly the same as this person, this person, this person? I mean, what what makes us different? So when you're looking for inspiration, obviously you want to do your own thing in general. But if you do need a little bit of a boost, look outside of exactly what you're trying to do because I I think sometimes looking where you're not expecting to find inspiration and then relating it back to what you're doing works a little better than Ugh, trying to copy amen. people. Amen. Amen, sister. So my last question is this. How do you balance all of the things? You're a mom, you're building a house, you have this career, you're on TV. Like, what does the average day look like for you? <laughs> it's super long. <laughs> it's a lot longer than what it ever used to be. You know how, okay, so you know how when well, it's just, this is sad, but when bad things happen or sad things happen, people say, oh, God only gives these things to people that can handle it. And I, I really believe that. I think anything in your life that happens, God's giving it to you because he knows you can handle it. You can get through it. And that obviously those things have happened to me as well. But on the flip side, I think when really good things happen to you, God's giving that to you because you can handle that. That's how much you can handle. And he gave me this little baby that sleeps 15 hours a night. She's a year and a half and she's been sleeping that for a year. And I have friends that they're still waking up every three hours. And I honestly believe with all my heart that God handed me this baby and said, I'm going to let her sleep so that you can get your work done because what you are doing is important. And so that's exactly how I take it. I take those hours of sleep every night. She goes down at 7 p.m. or so. And like I said, I, she goes down, my husband, and I have dinner, then he goes to bed early because he gets up super early to work out. And then at nine, I sit at my desk. And I know if I work till two, I'll still have six hours of sleep or seven hours of sleep or whatever it is. And so that is the evening. It starts in the morning at probably seven, I get up, have coffee, I get some emails done. I am a technically a stay-at-home mom, but I also technically have a pretty full-time job, which is <laughs> sort of like two full days in one day. So I do some emails and I really try my best not to 
as much as I can not to take away the mom time to do work when she's, when my daughter's with me, which is so hard. You, I'm sure you will find this out in a few months, but oh my gosh, it is so hard to balance it and not let them cross into each other. So I try to do a little bit before she gets up. Then my daughter Lenny wakes up around 9.30 ish, 10 o'clock in the morning. And all these new moms probably hate me so much. I don't even really like saying that out loud because moms actually do not like me because that's like an unrelatable thing. So she gets up at 9.30, just cruises out of her crib. I go get her. Then I hang out with her for the day. I do the mom thing. Sometimes I'll have meetings. I actually just hired an assistant two months ago, which is a game changer. changer. I'm still so OCD about everything. I have a really hard time delegating stuff. I'm like, I'll just do it. It'll be quicker if I do it. So I'm still, I'm still in that learning path, but she is sort of an assistant nanny assistant slash nanny. So if I need help with some work stuff, like when I'm out of the, out of service, she'll do that. When I have house meetings or conference calls or podcasts, et cetera, that have to be from nine to five, she'll watch my daughter. But generally I'm with my daughter most of the time. And then she, I, we usually cook out every night. We grill out, we cook wild game elk or moose or deer five nights out of the week. Probably we grill on the grill outside. So my husband comes home and I usually have dinner and it's a feel at the table type of lifestyle dinner. And then we play with our daughter. She goes to sleep. He goes to sleep and I go work. And that's, that's generally if I'm home, that's how it works most nights. I stay up really late. My husband and I don't see each other as much as we should. That That's definitely something we need to work on because our schedules don't cross over. And otherwise, if I'm traveling, I'll, I'll go on a trip for a week and they'll handle life without me while I'm gone or I'll bring my daughter and bring my mom or whatever happens. It's Every week is so different. When you're a self-employed entrepreneur slash stay-at-home mom, every single day of my life is different. And there's never anything that I can be prepared for that's going to look the same. But that's, I think that's part of the fun. If, if anything looks too, too similar over and over, I, I get a little antsy. I need to mix it up. How are you ever going to have another baby? Like Lenny is setting the bar <laughs> way too high. And are you terrified to have another child? Because you can't get that lucky twice in a row. I know. I swear that is true. And everyone says that to me. And we, I've always wanted to, and my husband's always wanted to, and we always thought we'd want them two years apart. And now well, no, we're way past <laughs> the year and a half and I'm not pregnant. So yeah, we, I don't know. And I think it scares me to death because I'm barely hanging on to everything with just one child, like, because we still travel with her. So I still go on trips and I bring her by myself on the plane for 13 hour trips and I can handle it, but there's no way I could do it with two. And I keep reminding myself that my number one priority is my family. So that is my number one everything. And I love my job, but obviously if I had to choose, that would be my family. And so I don't want to give up my number one priority of having a family. And I, I would love to have two kids, if God willing, if I can. I know that I will yes. figure it out. We will adapt to it. Our lives will probably look <laughs> different for a few years. And I already find that a year and a half traveling with her is just starting to peak and getting a little tiny bit easier where she can kind of listen and she can kind of do activities on the plane. Yeah. So I know that it's a phase. Everything, I mean, I'm sure everyone's given you a million pieces of advice, but everything is just a phase. If it's a good phase or a bad phase, regardless, if it's a good phase, you don't really want it to end. And if it's a bad phase, you're like counting down the seconds till they get bigger out of it. But yeah, it's, I think you just figure every, it's like, you know, being an entrepreneur as well. You figure everything out as it comes at you, worrying about it a year in advance. Like, why would I do that? Why would I put that stress on myself? But 
God willing, we will have one more. And knowing me, I'll probably be like, you know what? We should just have a third or a fourth. We'll just top it up. <laughs> that is so amazing. I am so excited that we got to connect. Where can everybody find you, follow you, check you out, and follow along with your journey? So I have, I'm pretty much on all the platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. It's at Eva Shockey on Instagram, Twitter. I think it's Eva Shockey fan page on Facebook. And then I have a lifestyle blog. It's evashockey.com. And that where it talks about outdoors, family, food, decor, fitness, adventures, you know, all the whole gamut. And I'm pretty active on there. I'm on there every single day. And I just love meeting all the people and relating to everybody and hearing stories. So I hope people come check awesome. me out. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on this show. And I really hope you give Drew some hunting advice because that boy comes home empty handed every time, but I still cheer him on. I do give him a little crap. So he's going to be so embarrassed that I'm putting his business out in the streets like this, but I got to, got to call a spade a spade. So you slide on into his DMS and give him some tips. Will you? <laughs> I absolutely will. Send send him down our way and we'll bring him out with us. Awesome. So good to chat with you today. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Jenna. I just never want these conversations to end. Like, how long could we go? I mean, I could go for hours with these women, but their stories are just so amazing. And I loved connecting with Eva today. I think for someone who is known in an industry like hunting, it's amazing to hear the multifacets that come with her from being a mom to designing a house to deciphering which partnerships to take on and traveling the world. I loved connecting with her. There is just something about following her that makes you feel like she'd be your best friend. And I think that we can all learn things. Like I love how she shares about when she finally started talking about more than just hunting, she started to grow true fans. And I teach about this a lot. It's all about connection. And when we can see ourselves or the vision that we have for our lives reflected in someone else, we suddenly feel connected to them in a new way. I also love about how she talks about stepping into an industry where there isn't a lot of representation. I love the quote that if you don't see yourself being represented, you are the representation. And a lot of times we ask, who am I to do this? But who are you not to do this? I think that the world of hunting could be really different if Eva didn't step into that role and really face it head on. And let's not forget about the critics. No matter what stage of the game you're in, you're always going to have naysayers. And it's all about how you choose to look at them and how you let them fuel you forward. And so I loved how she talked about education and how to help understand other people's point of views. I think it's huge, regardless of if you love hunting or not. There were so many things in this show that you can learn. And also, I'm kind of praying that our baby is like Lenny. I mean, how many hours a day can a baby sleep? That's amazing. So I hope that you enjoyed our conversation today. I would love to hear your feedback and would love for you to encourage Eva and thank her for showing up. Hop on over to at Gold Digger Podcast on Instagram. Let us know what you think and what you want to hear next. We absolutely love connecting with our listeners. Until next time, Gold Diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. And it is such a joy to hang out with you today. Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger Podcast. Dive into the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. The more the merrier. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time, you gold digger you.